hope I've passed on to my, my children is that if you want something, you can work for it. If you have a goal, I had this conversation with my oldest the other day, pursue your dreams to the end of the earth, no matter what it takes, because um, there's going to be stepping stones along the way and things you have to do that might not be directly aligned with that dream, but they're a means to an end. And um, I think I learned work ethic from my father. He did whatever it took, um, even though, you know, that was at the cost of some things um, to provide for us, you know, and to make a better future, the best future he could for us, no matter what that took. Hey, mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive imperfect action unapologetically chase your dreams and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Don Jensen Bodine's most important role in life is a single mother of three amazing children. Through so much adversity and struggles, Dawn chooses to live her life not out of pain and victimhood. Instead, She chooses to learn and thrive out of those life experiences. You can find Dawn often sharing her story as she believes testimony is super powerful. And if we grow through adversity and share those experiences, it can give others strength to do the same. Dawn started in sales and customer service over 30 years ago, and she's turned that passion for serving and blessing others into multiple businesses, including sales and marketing, contracting, and a cleaning business that employed single mothers. Her most recent endeavor into real estate has allowed her to help first-time home buyers realize their dream of home ownership when they did not think it was possible. When Dawn is not hard at work, she enjoys workouts at the gym and spending time with her children who are ages 21, 20, and 18. She's also an advocate of the Second Amendment and loves the outdoors. Mother Hustlers, please help me in welcoming the Mother Hustler mothering the world this week real estate broker, realtor, and small business owner, but most importantly, single mama of three amazing human beings, Dawn Jensen Bodine. Welcome back, everybody, to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. 
I have my amazing mother hustler friend over here locally had coffee with her. And when I heard her story, I said to myself, that woman has to be on my podcast. And I'm blessed to have you, Dawn, because you're local. We've been trying to get this going for a very long time. You're busy. I'm busy. We're both busy, which, you know, when you put two mother hustlers together, schedules are going to be um, tough to make happen. But we're here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so uh, honored to be here. Thank you for asking me. You're so welcome. So let's start with your childhood because you and I have spoken about it. And I really believe that the childhood has a lot of impact on us. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, um, my childhood, probably around four years old, my parents got divorced. And uh, I don't really remember a lot before that. So um, that was a pretty impactful time. I wasn't a it wasn't a good divorce, that's for sure. If not, not like any are, but um, I remember being at the, the moment that I remember it the most is being at the top of my stairs and there was photos of my brother and I that, you know, those chalk photos that they used to do. So there was those at the top of the stairs of my brother and I, and he was sitting next to me and was crying because I could hear my parents downstairs fighting, fighting over us. And my dad was wow. just not going to let us leave the house. So um, my mom left and that was probably the last time I saw her for a couple of years. So um, enter my stepmother um, a couple of years later. She was a very young mom, um, 18, and um, married my dad who was nine years older than her. And um, that was difficult because I was so looking for a mother figure, somebody to just love on me. And um, I remember just clinging to her, just um, like, didn't want to be alone if my dad wasn't around and just clinging to her. But um, that relationship um, was something that actually impacted my life for a very long time because it didn't turn out to be what you would hope it would be. But, you know, um, I was just a little girl. And um, I think for me, um, that probably impacted my life the most because that turned out to be a, a very um, verbally and physically abusive relationship as I grew up. So um, I don't know what happened um, as I was growing that made her become that way. And I don't think I made her become that way by any means. But um, I know that, that that woman figure in my life impacted me a lot and made me make decisions um, for my future in seeing the example I had in front of me that I didn't want to be and didn't want to do. And it actually scared me away from becoming a mom. I didn't want to. So, But now I have wow. three beautiful children. So. Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And and two things that I kind of grasp from your story a little bit there is that you wanted her to be that mother figure. And now tell us what exactly does that mean? What does a mother figure mean to me? Yeah. Um I think or or what was it that you wanted from her as a mother? I just wanted what I thought in my brain was a mom, and that was somebody to uh, be affectionate with me, to be the person that I could run to, um, you know, if I skinned my knee or if something was hurting my feelings or, you know, and um, it just didn't turn out to be that way it, it, at all. Um, I think especially um, as I grew, she had two children of her own um, uh, about six and eight years in, and uh, the minute she had those children was probably when it changed the most. And um, I remember feeling um, like, even though I heard her say, um, these are my children, she would always say after that, but the, these are my, the, 
I got to back up. She would say, these are my stepchildren, but I consider them all my children. But I remember thinking that's not the truth, you know? And um, so I guess to get back to your question, I was just looking for somebody that was soft, my soft spot to go to. Wow. And I didn't have that. You, you mentioned too that I, I, I thought that was very interesting. And you said, I did not make her that way. Mm-hmm. And I think as a child and even as an adult, we tend to blame ourselves and maybe we are the one that is that there's something wrong with us. That's why mm-hmm. the person you want love from is acting the way they are. Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think that particular feeling carried on in your adult life and showed up in, you know, sometimes what we feel as a child shows up in a very negative way when we deal with our lives as an adult. Absolutely. And I could see that even in my choices in, um, in, uh, I didn't have, I didn't date a lot in high school. Um, and I also will tell you that growing up, I felt like because of that relationship, I, I can see now, I felt like I had to earn love. Like it wasn't just given freely. I felt like I had to, um, do things to earn it and be a certain way. <laughs> Dang it. I knew you would make me cry. So, um, Hey, I warned you <laughs> because of that, um, that bled into other relationships because everything that I did was because I thought I had to earn attention, love, friendship, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And that's, this is why I love I just love hearing people's childhood because we carry it on with us for a very long time until, you know, when they say you need to grow up, it's really when that borderline from when you carry it with you to the, the next moment on the other side of that, where you have grown up to be like, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm not going to allow this to anchor me with whatever I want in life whether that's becoming a mother, becoming a wife, becoming a badass professional, you know, and, and just going forward because I think it holds you back, right? Oh, for sure. I think that um, it affects every decision that I've made in my life. And not that I would change any of those decisions because they, they brought me to where I am today and made me the woman that I am, which um, I feel very, I, I have self-love now, which I also know that I didn't have a lot in the first probably 38 to 40 years of my life because that thinking was so skewed and thinking that everything was earned, you know, um, instead of just freely given, you know, um, which I did, I freely gave, but I, I didn't have the same expectation from other people. I thought I had to truly earn their, all of those things from them. Um, so I guess when I say that is, you know, in choosing my kid's father, he was my high school sweetheart and only the second boyfriend that I ever had because I wasn't allowed to date growing up. And um, I wouldn't change that decision, but there's definitely some things that if you look around, even at the person that you're choosing for a life mate, things that have impacted them growing up also should be very important. And, and I share that with my kids now. Um, I think I used to go about it saying, don't marry your high school sweetheart, which I think was the wrong thing to say. I think the thing to say was, look at their, look at their upbringing, look at what they've dealt with, look at how far have they come from that, what things do they struggle with, you know? Because when you're 18 and you make those decisions to be with somebody, and I didn't marry him at 18, I married him at 25, but we were together since we were 17. Um, wow. When you're making those decisions, we're still growing up, 
we're still growing up and, and, and becoming who we are. I truly don't feel like, um, especially because I had kids from 25 to 30, um, I was still growing up because then you're thrust into that, you know, arena of it's more about them than you, you know? So I think there's a little bit of stunted growth there if you choose to have kids yep. younger, So um, true. you know? And so I think finally when I was 30 and they were kind of, you know, I just had one young one at home and the other two were going to school. Um, I kind of was like back to me. Well, what do I want now? You know, what do I like? You know, and those were questions that I still ask myself again at 38 when I got a divorce. What do I like? I, I think one of my friends came to me and said, um, well, what movie would you like to go see? And, and of course, we spend the time always going to see <laughs> kids movies that they want to see, you know, and everything. And that becomes I can recite lines from Toy Story verbatim, right? And all of yeah. those things about them. So I remember sitting there thinking, what do I like, you know, and um, that was, you know, right after my divorce and, and really going, because all my kids were growing and, you know, they were doing more about them than, you know, me now and uh, just thinking, well, what do I like? So, um, but uh, I don't know. It's funny. You, I, you bring up memories in me as you ask these questions. So. Yeah, but I think, and you and I have a lot in common when it comes to when in our lifetime we did, we became mothers. So I, I had my first child at 26 and then I had my second at 26 going on 27. And then I have my second right when I was turning 30. In fact, I spent my 30th birthday in the hospital with a C-section. <laughs> wow. And so similar stories. Yeah. I had my last. Yeah. Birthday, so. Yeah. And so you, you, mentioned something that really I was in is that creating your own identity because your identity, it's like your life stops for a little bit. For Absolutely. And I wouldn't choose anything different. I, I think I want to go back to, I really, because of my upbringing did not, I made choices in, in the relationship with my stepmom of, I don't want to be that kind of woman because she was also very manipulative. Um, and so I think you make a decision even at a very young age, you know, and I, when you identify behaviors, um, that you're not going to do that. I made mental notes. I remember as early as seven years old and I was being abused at home already. And I went to tell my father and he worked, he just worked tirelessly to provide for us. He, um, at one point when we moved to California, he was working two jobs and going to school full time and got double degrees, um, in religion and, um, psychology. But I think that he was so, ingrained in, in providing for us he didn't he had blinders on as to what was going on at home so i went to him at one point i remember and um told him that i did i don't remember how i said it but i remember his answer that that she was being abusive and she came in the room at that point and said something to the effect of that i was just being a dramatic little girl and wow. he believed he believed her and and i remember thinking at seven years old i'm on my own how am i going to get through to like out of here and i also remember identifying the behaviors that she had you know and and i know what went on in her childhood and i think that we can mm. grow from that and be defined by it or we can make different decisions so i i don't want to speak to that but i do want to speak to the decisions i made and that was to go i don't want to have that behavior and i don't want to have that behavior and i want to be completely opposite of that yeah um i think i went really far the other way and so i had to bring it back but um identifying very early on behaviors that I didn't want to have as, as a woman and, and then deciding um, after my marriage, I do want to have children. 
and, and then having my first at 26 years old like you and, and being very scared. I mean, just, I remember sitting at home and she was very colicky and thinking, what if I screw this up? You know, I, I don't even know if I can do this, you know, uh, because you and I do come from same backgrounds of, of childhood as well. And, uh, you know, you think about all those things, you know, and I just, I was freaked out <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, I think she's most moms. <laughs> I see that. I think yes. most moms are so freaked out during their first, you know, first time only because most of us grow up seeing our parents and somebody asked me like, what did you learn from your dad? Because I always talk about my mom. Mm -hmm. And sadly enough, I said not to marry somebody like him. And it's really sad because I love my dad because he's my dad forever. And yes to say that is sad, but at the same time, like you said, I wouldn't take anything back because it made me not only the woman that I am today, but the mom that I am today, because I take a little bit of, you know, uh, of knowledge from what my mom has done. And also, I also said to myself during my teenage years is I'll never be abused like my mom. Yes. But then it showed up in a very different way where I judged everybody based on my mom's experience. Sure. Because like you, like you went the whole way to the other side mm -hmm. yeah. and you had to bring it back. And it also wiped clean the entire Filipino population, the men in the <laughs> Filipino population. So you're judging an entire male race based on your father. You know what I'm right. saying? Which really, I know so many Filipinos, including my brothers, because I have three of them that are just amazing. You know, the youngest is not a dad yet, but the, the other two are amazing dads. So yeah. it, it, it's weird how that works. Well, and I think that um, you, you touched on my father. I know my father was doing what he needed to do. And if anything I learned in my life that I hope I've passed on to my, my children is that if you want something, you can work for it. If you have a goal, I had this conversation with my oldest the other day, pursue your dreams to the end of the earth, no matter what it takes, because um, there's going to be stepping stones along the way and things you have to do that might not be directly aligned with that dream, but they're a means to an end. And, um, I think I learned work ethic from my father. He did whatever it took. Um, even though, you know, that was at the cost of some things, um, to provide for us, you know, and to make a better future, the best future he could for us, no matter what that took. And, you know, in, in that pursuit for him, I think that he pursued some of his dreams, which was, um, inadvertently, you know, being a minister for a while, but then going into the, the school system and um, creating one of the programs that is used through the whole state of Washington. And that's for kids that um, have literally not been doing their job to graduate high school, but bringing them along and showing them that it's still possible. So, um, you know, I, I'm super proud of him. And I think that I took away from all of that, even though I missed him and that I wished he could save me from some situations, the work ethic that I have today to take care of my children as a single mom, you know, help them pursue their dreams, you know, um, and, and work as hard as I can to make it happen. Yeah. And do you think you learn from your dad, though, that no matter how good of a work ethic you have, that maybe something that you are missing is happening behind your back or under your nose that you're not even paying so close attention to and that maybe there should be a little bit of more like a balance 
Absolutely. And I have to still, to this day, steer that balance back because, you know, even though my goal, especially this last seven years um, of building this career that I'm in now, which has afforded me to, you know, help my daughter go to Berkeley and all of, and pursue her dreams. Um, I had to do, I did two things in, in starting real estate. I knew it was going to take a hustle, you know, to get it going, get it started. And I came into the market that was down. So I thought, I went to my children at, at from with some advice from a very, very kind mentor of mine. And they said, you know, you need to go bring your children on board. You need to ask their permission and tell them what it's going to take, you know, and bring them along for the ride instead of just doing what you need to do. Um, because if they're part of it at those times that I knew it was going to be at me being on the phone a lot or me being hustling at work and, and not being present in things, um, there was a means to an end, you know, and it also included helping them for toward their dreams of college and different things like that. So um, I went to them and I asked, I said, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take 12 to 24 months of mom just hustling her butt off and not being around a lot. And I need to know that you guys are on board with this, or it was going to seriously be something that I wasn't going to sacrifice my relationships with them for this. I would lay awake at night crying to, even in the process thinking I'm ruining my kids. I'm ruining oh, my kids. I'm not there. I'm not there for them. We haven't eaten dinner together. They just, I don't even know if like Bella's showered in five days, like <laughs> them. she's going to be the stinky kid, like all these things in my head. And, and yet like I, I was, I wasn't in a position to choose otherwise because I, I was doing it at that time alone. And you had to do what you had to do. Exactly. Like it was survival mode for us, but what happens when you get in those moments of panic? And I think my husband's done a really good job of, of kind of helping me to navigate this too, because he would sit there while I'd freak out. Like, are you, they're going to be okay. What is wrong? Like, what is wrong with you? And you know, he didn't live a typical upbringing either. And so coming to this point where I, I surrendered to, again, the fact that like life and our journey is, ours to own and that yes. we are capable of providing and giving what our children need when they need it. And really what they need is just to be loved and guided yes. and empowered to be able to make their own decisions in life for whatever that looks like and know that we can correct course as and when needed and that we can do that. We can or do we that. be there to pick them up when they fall because they are going to fall. We're not going to be their bubble. I mean, some parents do that, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's hard to do that when you have five children and even <laughs> me having two children yeah. and then you have a husband that's the third child, you know, like yeah. I love them because they can fix anything, but man, they, they sometimes like act like kids. So yeah, um, it's hard to do, put everybody in the bubble. So you sometimes just like put each other as a partnership and the kids just like, okay, you guys go figure it out. Cause exactly. I'm done. <laughs> the greatest gift in all of this that I was able to give my kids, at least, I mean, who knows, maybe they'll grow up and write memoirs and, and it will be like, my mom was the worst ever. But I think from my perspective, the greatest gift that I have given them as we've walked through this journey has been the gift of, you know, everybody is flawed and imperfect and, mm -hmm. and the people in your life are always going to at one point or another let you down like there's going to be times I'm not at those games there's going to be times where like 
but it but it doesn't change that I love you and that I'm here for you no matter what like this is the space that we're in can you take me as I am and let me take you as you are in this moment um, for whatever that looks like and whatever our journey looks like I think there's real freedom in in that concept to really be present in your moments and mm -hmm. be loving and understanding of the people around you and so at least for me it's it's been a blessing in disguise to watch all of that and that's so cool so we talked about normal family like you thought growing up this was how a normal family looks and yeah. how you should act and how you should be the wife and how you should eat by 5 p.m and etc yeah. etc et um I think sometimes maybe that's what was perceived as normal because that's what we were told or that's what we grow up with. But then you transition into a new family unit yeah, um, and got remarried, which is such a, such a beautiful wedding, by the way. Yeah. And now your family is almost the exact opposite because like with, yeah. with me, we are not a eat together dinner kind of family. Mm -hmm. we're always on the move I at least I'm always on the move and the one thing that I always deliver for my family is I'm gonna make food for you because that's my responsibility as a mom but then I have a partnership now with my husband where sometimes I'm like okay I'm just not like feeling it and making dinner tonight can you like figure out dinner and make dinner yeah. Yeah. You know, because I think back in the days, it was always, and at least that was also what was shown to me. And as a kid growing up, and as my children is growing up watching me do what I do, is I think that we think normal is what our parents were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's probably one of, like, the biggest, like, like transitional experiences in life for like growing into adulthood is that realization that like, oh wait, there is no normal. I mean, like you know what you're taught and I still sift through how much of my belief system is entrenched in something that is not set in stone, does not yeah. be that way, right? Like I still sift through like what's, are there parts of me that are holding, that are being held hostage by experiences that I had from well amazing incredible family unit like great parents that love me and wanted the best for me too but are there things that I adapted in my life from just childhood as must be um, for happiness or growth or, or yeah. for family that I can let go of that will like eliminate stressors that I'm putting on myself and I think you know I'm Italian I love sitting down and all eating together it's like Feast. my love my love language, yeah, like coming together and eating. I feel like there there are powerful moments in the in the mundane of that. Like I love the chaos of that. I love the sounds of it. I love the smells. I love multiple you know dishes out everywhere. For me, that's that's something I I I cherish when it does happen. But growing up, it was a five p.m. Everybody's at the table. We eat together. It was more of like this is what we do because this is. This is how we're supposed to do it. And again, the chaos of that, I love too. It's something I will always cherish, but um, it's not what makes your family a, a beautiful family unit. It's, it's, not, it's yeah. not, right? You can find that feeling of like really embracing the chaos in my case, 
in any moment in our home when we're all together, whether that's we're all eating or, you know, everybody just got home from sports and they all stink and they're trying to get in our shower or whatever, you know, that looks Are like- they going to bed without showering? <laughs> Listen, showering- and I ha- I, But I really want to talk about um, what I went through in my last marriage. Let's and do it. So I'm going to give you a really super condensed version so we can get there. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I left Albuquerque and I moved mm-hmm. to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with my first husband, who's the father of my daughter. Beautiful there. My two sons have, so my kids all have different dads. And that's one of the unique things about, about me as a mom is that my three kids are all with three different men. And so they each have had their own journey, you know, with the, with the parenting. Mm-hmm. And, um, after my last son was born and, and my, my, and his dad and I split up, I met someone who I then ended up marrying. And this was back in 2010. I met this person and I married him. Um, he was like, seemed like the most awesome guy. He was a coach. He had three kids of his own. He was divorced. Um, it kind of seemed like all the stars aligned, right? I had three kids. I had been divorced once before. And we seemed to have a lot in common, yet he was very different from anyone I had ever been with. Mm. And um, I quickly fell in love with this person. And we decided within about the space of just under two years, we got married after being, you know, being together for about a year and a half. We, I moved in with him and, and we got married. And um, I started to kind of feel like... I was suffocating a little bit in that marriage Mm -hmm. and I didn't know or understand why. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, um, he became very controlling and I started noticing this and I started noticing that I was scared a lot at home. And then our relationship took kind of like a dark, it kind of went dark. We had a dark side to our relationship that included physical abuse between the both Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. And um, as much as I want to, you know, like make myself to be super innocent and everything, I'm not. Um, thank you for that. I'm not innocent in that because I, I, I too used my hands on him, but so as to defend myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and not only was he physically abusive, but he was emotionally and verbally abusive. And that's really where it started was with all of that. And I, but I had never been with anybody like that. So I didn't know what the signs were of mm-hmm. emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, but I really started to feel and see in our family dynamic that he controlled everything. Wow. And uh, I was working full time. I was a manager. I used to work. I'm a retail manager. So I used to work at a different retailer than I do now. But I was working like 50 hours a week. And we had six kids combined, you know, and we had a crazy schedule because his kids were in sports. And so we were always at like football, basketball or baseball, like every weekend, <laughs> you know, tournaments this is out of town. All quarterly now. Yeah. Quarterly. And so, st- so still in Northern Idaho. So I moved here in 19 and I've never lived anywhere else. So I've lived wow. in Coeur d'Alene for 22 years. And so let's see, we were together for six, just about six years. Um, if you count the, t- the time that we were separated, but in the thick of our marriage, there was a lot of that abuse happening. And um, I mean, I would, I showed up to work hurt, bruised, um, I showed up to work with a broken hand, like a broken wrist, 
um, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it took, yeah, I like, it took a long time for me to, to want to leave enough, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I loved him, mm-hmm. but I could see what was happening, mm-hmm. I, but I loved him. And I, and then I could see how my kids were being affected. I could see how his kids were being affected. And it was, and I was like isolated from my friends. I was isolated from my family because remember my family all lives in two different States. Uh-huh. So the only real family I had and have is my children. Uh-huh. And so we're all living under this roof of like behind closed doors, what feels to be kind of dark. Mm. Um, uh, he controlled everything down to like what I wore how I presented myself and not that he would tell me what to wear or what to do. But if I did something like curl my hair, it would be, he would say like, why are you curling your hair? Who are you dressing up for? Like that kind of stuff, you know, it was things like that. And so I really like molded myself around him and did everything to not upset him. Mm -hmm. And when I started to realize that that was my life, it, I also sunk back into depression and I've, I've dealt with depression my whole life and I've been on medication. And so I was back on depression medication. Um, and I was real deep in depression and I even had those thoughts of suicide again at that time. Wow. I was going to say, how was that parallel to your 12, 13, 14? Yeah, it was, Definitely the depression was there. Definitely the thoughts of like not being good enough, um, not living up to someone's standards. Like that's what it, that felt like. And I didn't know what, um, what narcissism was. I, I wouldn't been a, have been able to define it or to see the signs in another person at that time until I started digging and started like questioning why I was feeling how I was feeling. And, um, not only was he abusive physically towards me, but he was physically abusive with my older son, my 17 year old, who at the time was 11, 12, you know, at that time. And, um, and he was verbally abusive to everyone in the house and physically abusive with his son. Wow. And I, and I witnessed all of this, you know, and we all witnessed mm-hmm. all of the abuse that was happening in our household, but our kids, I mean, they're kids, right? What are they going to do? We're the parents. We're the ones that are supposed to be protecting them. Hold on one second. So yeah. he was abusive to your 17. That was then 11. Now mm-hmm. you told me that your 17 year old is the angry one. Yeah. You think there is a correlation to oh, that yeah. abuse? Okay. Yeah. We, in fact, we had a conversation about that last week. Um, he was very angry and he's having difficulty at school. And we had a conversation in the evening after school and he was just like, I'm angry. I'm angry and I'm tired of people picking on me and I'm not going to let anybody pick on me anymore. And mm-hmm. he brought up my ex-husband, you know, I know wow. that, that that's part of his anger. There's a lot more, you know, underlying stuff that has to do with his own father and his father's poor choices and his father's lack of presence in his life. Mm-hmm. But the father figure that I chose for him ended up being someone that harmed him. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of guilt to carry around as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm still Maybe. trying to unravel that and, and trying to... You know, I, I just, again, transparency with my kids, right? After we left, I mean, there was just one night 
it was a normal night at home. We were watching TV. Our kids were downstairs. It was, you know, 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. And I could hear some bickering downstairs. And so I went down there to find out what was going on. And uh, my youngest, who at the time was like six, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the, his, my husband's older girls were teasing my youngest and he was not having it. He was upset. And that's what the bickering was that I heard. And I went down there and my husband came down after me to find out what was going on. And he belittled me in front of the kids. He mm-hmm. yelled and screamed at me that's in front the of the worst. kids, which was normal. Like that was normal behavior mm-hmm. in our house. That was, that was part of the dynamics in our household was that I was treated like one of the kids. <laughs> And, and we used to argue about that, like, hey, I'm not your child, I'm your partner, you know, and, and that was a difficult thing for him to wrap his mind around, I guess. Um, but that night was the last night that, that anything went down, and, and it did get physical that night in our, in our bedroom behind closed doors, where, and our kids could hear everything, but that was the last night that he laid hands on me, and that was the last night. And I, lo- I love that story, because my kids are the same thing. Yeah, they, they actually the best accountability system. Yes, they're the best. When, when I went for the Atlantis trip, I was scared to create this collage of poster in my house because yeah. what if I don't make it? Yeah, no. And they're already holding this sign that we're going. Yep. It's yep. that owning and yeah. sending your intention and setting your intention to the universe that you're going to. Yeah. And holding this sign with a background of Atlantis saying we're going to mom and dad are taking Mm -hmm. us to Atlantis. If I didn't make that. Yeah. I mean, kids are resilient, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But, but I will never, I will live, I will have to live for with that reality that I promised them something that Mm -hmm. never happened. Yeah. And every single week they're like, mom, how many, blank have you done yeah. how many this have you done how close are we yes da 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 like like justine mm-hmm. are you black yet yeah it's it's such a powerful it's such a powerful lesson to teach and you know and then it and then it uh allows us to feel so accomplished like it's just that's true it's um it has impacted my children Mm -hmm. in the most amazing sense. And that's why I say, Hey, if you make a lot of money, that's just a byproduct of what you are actually going for, because the knowledge and the, and the things that you're not only teaching your kids, but you're actually showing them Mm -hmm. what it takes to build a business, your frustrations, your cry, that it's not a walk in the park. Yeah. And at the same time, you are there for them. You can drop everything you Absolutely. are doing. If they're sick, you can tell your team, which they care about your family because you care about their family yes. and say, Hey, I'm going to take a day off or a week off because I need to be with my daughter or my sons. Mm-hmm. Showing that to them is the most powerful school you could ever provide yeah. your kids. Um, both my kids want to be entrepreneur. Love it. Um, the oldest is all about school. He goes by the book. He says, mm-hmm. I want to be an engineer, but I want to use my school to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, Good for him. cause I don't think engineering, if you, if you want to 
do engineering business, I don't think you can do it without going through school because it's a lot of calculation yeah. and mathematical stuff. But it's that showing them, not just telling them, because mm -hmm. what I would hate the most is if I told them you can be anybody you set your mind to and then I go back to my nine to five job. Yes. Yes. That's being a hypocrite mm -hmm. to your children, to your own children. Yeah. And I don't, that's not okay to do to other people. Why would that be okay with right. your kids? Just because they have an innocent mind mm -hmm. should be the more reason that you need to do it. Yeah. Gosh, they're so precious. <laughs> You're so sweet. I can just cry about my kids. I'm trying to hold on my, I know to my, um, emotions about because when I talk about kids it just like brings this whole emotion so you're finally here and you love the stories about your your ladies that you have helped and changed their lives helped. yes I mean they truly changed your life you just show them where to go yeah. right I just it's gave all them the them. tools it's all them yeah and people always say oh you changed my life it's all you, babe. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just showed you what it looks like, and then it's up to you to make that decision. Absolutely. What are the top three stories that you love about the journey of, of the ladies in your team? Because everybody has a story, mm -hmm. right? And there's always those few stories that just gets you every time. What are those three top stories from you know, from those ladies that you can maybe share with us? Well, one of them is um, my dear friend, Juliana. Um, I met her in my previous company. And we were just acquaintances. I really didn't know her story. And her story is the most magnificent thing ever. And it, it just, she, her and her husband, Jarrett, um, got married and a year into their marriage, he was diagnosed with um, MS. And so fast forward, they have two kids, uh, Lily and Max, and they're, I think they're 11 and 12, or 11 and 13, somewhere around there. And Jarrett is um, wheelchair bound for, wow. for life now. And she is his, Juliana is his full-time caregiver. So to watch how this has helped her um, stay home and, and be able to work her business and not have to be at a nine to five so she can be his caregiver and all that. It just, it's, it's so amazing. It's amazing to know, you know, when somebody tells me that they don't have time to do something, I always share with them Juliana's story. Because if, if anybody had an excuse to say, I don't have time for something, it would definitely be her. Wow. And she, she does it. You know, she takes care of Jarrett full time. She takes care of the kids full time, drives them everywhere. <laughs> and she runs her business. So that story really sticks out to me. Another She's definitely a mother hustler. Yes, she is. Yes. Um, and another thing... I mean, just to watch the people. Oh, I have, okay. The other story is, oh my gosh, you this is so her. amazing. So Christy, Christy and Tim, they are just the most adorable couple. They both had uh, or have previous children from previous marriages. Okay. 
<clears throat> they have been married, oh shoot, I don't know how long they've been married, but they, they look like they're honeymooners. I mean, they're just the cutest ever. They were able in this last year, well, it's just come about in the last four months. Um, she has never owned her own home. Mm. They, they have not owned a home together. Guess what they're doing? They are building a home right now. And the, the funniest thing is, so you know, in, in our company, our whitening toothpaste has went viral. So she did a video the other day. They literally stuck a tube of whitening toothpaste inside the wall of the house that they're building just as a, as a significant to it's the how, it's how this, their life has changed. Um, so I love that story. Um, and, and then just seeing, seeing women say, you know, I'm putting in my resignation to my nine to five, you know, wow. it's, yeah. It's saving them from slavery. Mm -hmm. It's just been, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it truly is modern. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to say yeah. that in a bad way yeah. because nine to five is a, is a good stepping stone. Yeah. It's just not, it shouldn't be permanent. Yeah. I mean, to, to imagine having to ask for a day off, to imagine having to, you know, my, my poor husband, I, I, I can't wait to the day. I mean, I always say you can retire, but we need your health insurance because oh my health gosh, insurance know, is expensive. That's high all the time. It's, it's super expensive. Yeah. But my poor husband drives 60 miles a day to and from work, 30 miles there, 30 miles back. And it's, it's, it's things like that. Like, um, he's driving right now. He's driving right now, just a, a, a beater commuter car. And, you know, he's like, no, we're going to have this till it dies. And, and he took my car the other day and I had his and I'm driving in it and I'm hearing clunking and the, the, <laughs> the, the, um, the, uh, What's the console thing is all broke. I go to put my arm on it, slides off. By the way, Dodie has Mercedes. Oh my gosh. And so I, so I texted him and I said, over my dead body, will you drive this car anymore? I don't care. I said, we're going to look at a car this weekend. So knowing that we can just do stuff like that. Are you kidding me? A year ago, we couldn't do that. A year ago, we were scraping just to get grocery money together. Broke. Yeah. So just things like that, you know, and, and seeing others people's lives. Um, you know, I see things all day long in social media from other people in my organization that are just like, it's just been phenomenal. Absolutely. I can't even tell you what it has done for me as a person. I've really changed a lot. My, my, my um, dear friend, Tracy Palo that brought me into the business mm -hmm. has always been my biggest mentor. And over this last year, she has taught me so much about myself. She's taught me how to be a better mom, a better um, wife, a better leader, a better business partner. I mean, so many things and and so for me to say that it's never you're never too old to learn is powerful i mean you know no you're never too old um warren buffett didn't become a billionaire until yeah i think he was 60 or something like crazy like that you know it's but once you get there it accelerates the process Absolutely. but it's that first few years that are super mm -hmm. difficult and if you can just endure those years yeah. and pushing past your fears i mean that's always yeah. that's always 
that was the biggest thing mindset for me yeah. in switching gears last year was, you know, I almost had to hit that rock bottom to just say enough is enough. I'm tired of, of living like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm just tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. And once you reach that point, you'll know. Or as they say, there's more month at the end of the money. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you talk about self-worth and, you know, Tracy had literally kind of slapped you in the face and say, mm -hmm. you're way wor more worthy than that. Yeah. How does, how has that transition been for you? Do you still have moments where you are still beating yourself up? And I know you said community, you got to be part of a mm -hmm. you know, larger community. So when the going gets tough, which is so important, you have a community to plug into, right? right? How are you now in self-worth? Um, I mean, I'm always improving as, as far as, as far as personal, yes, I, I, you know, we all say, oh my gosh, I ate that cookie. I shouldn't have eaten that cookie, you know, things like that. But, but in business, I, I'm pretty proud. I'm, I'm pretty proud of, um, I'm pretty proud of just touching others. You know, my passion is to change other people's lives. And it's, it's just, um, I, I sometimes don't realize how impactful that, that I've been. And it's, it's so nice to get those messages and, um, it really boosts my spirits and, and mm -hmm. that's what's kept my mindset to stay the course, yep. you know, because even in this last year, business hasn't, it goes like this, you yep. know, up and down, but, um, that's my drive. My drive is getting those messages that say, because of you, I did this or because of you, you know, and, and so I can't let my, I can't let those people down. Yep. So it's constantly, my mindset is, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this, you know, and yeah. we're got the next goal. We're doing it, you yes. know, get my vision board out, put everything on it. We're doing it. Just like you said about the Atlantis. Yeah. You just do it. And you know, you recalibrate, refine along the way. And mm -hmm. it's like just taking imperfect actions. Yeah. And one day you'll get there. Yeah. And I always, I always say, um, if you're doing something that's not working, change it. That's all you got to do. Just change it. It's really that simple, <laughs> but it's also easy not to do. Right. Right. So before I go to the last question, cause you know, I say anything goes, but I always have this last question. I just want to commend and acknowledge you for your journey and your drive and how much you've changed other women's lives. I think that is the highest level of success that anyone can ever achieve is you're continuing to do all that and I, I do have an Instagram, but you know, um, it's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. It's, and, and so I've found 
my happy in Facebook land. And that's kind of um, where I'm at. But um, so, so it's D-O-D-I-E-G-L-O-V-E-R. Um, and I am on Instagram. It's my Instagram, I believe is new diamonds movement. What's your website? Website is, um, brightsmileshop.com. So www.brightsmileshop.com. That's awesome. Yeah. So great. So last question at the end of all your journey, you're on your deathbed. Your entire life flashes right in front of you. You've accomplished everything. You've left no stones unturned. You killed it in life and you have everything you've ever wanted. Your kids are around you and they ask you one last question. Mom, what are the top three things you're proud of accomplishing as a mother? What are those three things? Paving the way for your children and your children's children and so on and so forth. Paving the way for the generation. <laughs> dogs, dogs life. Um, that, this is what a mother hustler's life, guys. It's messy. Yeah. So, so paving the way for my children. He wants. He wants you to pave his way too. And my children's children, and then also, um, just the impact that I've had on women around the world. And the third one. It's just, it has to be just changing people's lives. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being present with me today. Yes. It has Sorry been... about Bentley, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a treat to catch up with you. Yes. And it's, it's been long overdue. Long overdue. And it's nice because we could record it. So that's even better, right? Yes. Thank you so much, dear. Thank you. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.